Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to WFAN's Baseball Insiders Spring Training Podcast for Sunday, March 14th. I'm Sweeney Murdy. Earlier on Sunday, Ed Coleman and I had a few hours on WFAN, and you can check out some of our conversations with Yankees analyst David Cohn from the Yes Network, also Mets third base coach Gary D. Sarcina. They're separately on the WFAN audio on-demand pages or on the WFAN.com homepage. You can find them there as well. In the meantime, here is some of me and Eddie C. as we discussed some of the Yankees and Mets spring training storylines earlier today. The Mets uh, committed some errors last night, again, unfortunately. Jonathan VR had a couple. Mm. At uh, third, third base has been a... Uh, particularly troublesome uh, spot for the uh, for the Mets and their errors, for that matter. Yeah, you know, it's funny you say, you know, third base. It used to be the joke with the Mets, right, in the first, what, maybe 20 years of the franchise, all the third <laughs> basemen they went through. Yeah, exactly. And now there seems to be a little bit of an issue there this spring. Uh, there does. Well, it just a defense in general, you know, with this uh, with this club. They, uh, and we were talking with Louis Rojas about it after the game last night. They've spent an awful lot of time. Uh, controlling the running game and uh, and also on defense, uh, but that hopefully will get better. Uh, one thing that they did last night was not hit with runners in scoring position, which killed them last year. That was uh, mm-hmm. that was their story last year. They left a small army on on base, uh, and in particular, you know, not not getting the runners over that. Uh, it has been particularly troublesome, or was last year, and it has been at times, you know, thus far this spring. Uh, I think there's a listen. There's a lot of good things that have come out of Metcamp, and I think you know the team is coming together. But at the same time, you're about halfway through. I guess I think today is probably the halfway point, right? Of, you've uh, got well, yeah. you've got like two and a half weeks to opening day. So yeah, yeah about that with exhibition yeah. play, sure. Yeah, they played. Yeah, this might be the twelfth game they played. Whatever, out of twenty-four. Anyhow, they, uh, um, you know, you'd like to start to come together or gel a little bit better, mm-hmm. and especially in the field, too, because, uh, you know, they've, they've never been a great defensive team. And uh, uh, anyway, maybe DSAR can, uh, can answer some of those questions for us. As, uh, you know, he's done a lot of work with, uh, with J.D. Davis, uh, VR, and, and others. You know, it's, one, it, it, it's interesting, uh, Swing, that, that you want versatility, Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you want to be able to move people around to different spots uh, that can give you flexibility uh, for your lineup, et cetera. But at the same time, um, you know, it, it's they need also to be nice good to, in those spots. It, it's it's yeah. also nice to get comfortable in a spot yeah. too. And I I think that's you know that that's part of the process that they're going through right now. 
Yeah, uh, v, does, VR is kind of interesting to me. What Does he have a specific spot? Is he going to be the guy bouncing around, or can he wrestle one of these spots away? He, he's another, you know, I, I think he's most comfortable at second and short, but they're trying him at third, and he had some problems last night. Again, it's probably, uh, you know, location for him, where he is. Is he too far back? Is he too far in playing short hops, etc.? Something he's not used to. The ball's on you a little bit, you know, obviously more quicker at, at third than it is at short and second, so I think he's more comfortable in the other two spots, but they'd like him to move around. They've even popped him in the outfield for a little bit to try to get some work out there. They want him, you know, to be as versatile as uh, as possible, so uh, how many he can pick up and how many he can play well, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, and he's he's been he's been around, so you know that shouldn't bother. But uh, the idea of you know trying to get young players into the groove here, you know, they lost all his game action last year, so trying to get them yeah. the reps, just game reps. It's one thing to hit a guy a million ground balls; it's another thing to you know to do it in game reps. So trying to find some of the young guys uh, to be able to do it is going to be kind of hard too. Um, but uh, you know, listen, if you got Francisco Lindor anchoring things, you know, it seems like you at least have an advantage that most teams don't. So, I mean, it's not going to hide any problems you have at second or at third, but if you've got Lindor able to do his thing and stay healthy, you know, that's a, that's a definite advantage. Yeah, no, I, I don't think it's any question. He's been he's been like an additional coach on, on the team, too. He's helped out the guys at third. He's helped out Jeff McNeil at second as well. So, uh, you know, he's going to run that infield. I don't think there's any question about that. You know what's interesting? I, I, I was uh, mentioning this yesterday that uh, – I don't know if you saw the SI piece on on Lindor when he was talking about the other shortstops. Cause of no, the not great, yet. Yeah, the great shortstop uh, class is coming up next year. Uh, you know, Trevor Story and Correa and Sager and mm-hmm. all those guys will be will be free agents. And he was talking about him being the the best overall. Like he didn't have specifically. You know, he wasn't the best hitter. Uh, he might not have been the best glove man, uh, but everything together. He felt he was the best shortstop. You know, listen, that's confidence, and that's sure. that's part of what makes you. But there was one interesting thing that, and I've always liked this guy, and he he was mentioned in there as best glove, Freddie Galvis. Oh yeah, and I've and I've I've always liked him, and I've always liked him for his glove. I've always liked him as a player, uh, but mm-hmm. he, you never hear him mentioned with. You know the the other big name shortstops or whatever, and I, it was all of a sudden you know you you're going across and you're reading a lot of big names and Freddie Galvis. What, how did Freddie get in here? But I thought it was interesting Lindor dropped him in there because I've always liked his game. I thought Freddie Galvis was just the perfect guy uh, two years ago when you know Didi Gregorius was uh, going having Tommy John yep. surgery, mm. and the Yankees needed somebody for the first half of the season. I thought you know. Rather than moving Torres over, which is what they ended up doing, and you right. know they had had Lemayhu all of a sudden emerge as this you know guy, so it kind of worked. But I thought Galvis was the perfect guy to slide because then he could slide into that role to to move around, uh-huh. and he offered a little bit of versatility in the lineup, things like that. I really th- you know, and, and every time you talk to somebody about him, people that you know, you know, people that have coached in the league and watched in the league, and they say this is one of the best guys to have on the team. You know, Galvis, and the fact that he has trouble finding jobs, I guess for a certain, maybe for a certain salary point or whatever, but the fact that he has trouble finding jobs, I, th- I think is amazing because you know, yeah. you know, it's not you know when you you want sure-handed defenders. Mm-hmm. That's what this guy is, and he can handle yeah. the bat and yeah. We, we, you know, we, we kind of hope that those guys find their way onto a team more regularly uh, 
I, but you know the bats are what plays, and you kind of yeah. work with the glove. And Galvis is kind of the other way around. It's maybe not as easy to find work these days for him. Yeah, absolutely. I I noted that uh, you know one of the one of the storylines in Mets camp has been Marcus Stroman with his split change. Yeah, I noticed, uh, I noticed there's a Yankee pitcher who's uh, who's using that as well. Yeah, Aroldis Chapman's starting to break it out, and it's kind of interesting. Uh, and I did for you know. Those who listen and don't listen, you know, we have uh, you, you and I both have our, our daily podcasts up on WFAN.com uh, and up on the WFAN Baseball Insider site and your podcast site. Yesterday, as I, ta- I talked about, you know, the uh, the split change that Chapman is throwing and uh, had a lot of people. You know, uh, Darren O'Day put it best. He said he watches uh, Chapman play catch when the pitchers are out in the outfield. He watches him play with Sessa. And he said that it moved. He feels bad for Luis Sessa trying to play catch with Aroldis Chapman because when he's throwing <laughs> that split change, he said it turns from a game of catch to a game of fetch. <laughs> 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 I, I, I guess it gets away, but that's kind of a good thing for you know when you're facing the hitters. It might provide you know some problems for the catchers, um, and that might be an issue. But it seems to be enough of a pit, and you you know you can talk to us about how Stroman feels about this, but this is this seems to be a pitch that Chapman has enough confidence in that he's really starting to work in. It's not just a show pitch in spring training. This seems to be a pitch that he broke out a little bit last year and is going to be a really important piece of his repertoire going forward because you know, he's mm-hmm. not throwing 105 anymore. He's throwing only 99, 100, but yeah. He's, yeah. Um, he's trying to figure out how to keep the guys honest and that pitch is going to be a real weapon for him especially against right-handers it's always it's always a great pitch for any pitcher you know starter reliever it doesn't matter i mean it's uh it's sometimes a hard one to master and that's that's why you always see kids coming up you know fastball curve slider and uh and a developing changeup uh mm-hmm. or something like that and, and you know the you got a circle change you got a split change you got uh uh, you know, you got several variations, but uh, it can be a very uh, effective pitch uh, for him. And listen, you know, to to have a guy have a pitch like that for a guy like Chapman to me would be uh, could be devastating. You know, if he can command that and uh, and use it often enough. And and you're right, not just as a, as a show pitch. You know, Stroman had talked about he's he's a sinker slider guy, and. Uh, and he was actually working on his slider the other day uh, to kind of play off that because he, they came up analytically and, and said that the hard-hit balls, uh, you know, that controls a hard-hit percentage the best of any of his pitches, the slider. Okay. So, you know, he – and I don't know if he didn't realize that before, but, you know, they pointed that out to him analytically. And so he's worked off that pitch a little bit more than usual. But they've also – he's – He's incorporated a four-seamer, which, you know, he threw, but he didn't throw that often just to change eye, eye level, sure. you know, because everybody's – you're down with him all the time. Sicker slider, he's a ground ball pitcher. You're looking down all the time. All of a sudden, you know, you buzz up, change the eye level a little bit, give somebody uh, – give them something else to think about. So, you know, that, that helps. The thing with Chapman, Eddie, is, you know, you've seen – he's given up two very big home runs in the last two postseasons for the Yankees. Mm-hmm. The one to Altuve in Houston – and the one to Brasso uh, uh, again th- against the Rays last year, right? And both right-handed batters, and mm-hmm. you know you're timing the fastball, you, you roll a slider, you know it's getting a little bit, 
you know, he's he's a little more predictable, I guess. And he threw a bad slider to Altuve. Um, I actually forget what the pitch was to Brasso. I got to look at that one again. But that was a long at bat where he's seeing, you know, he's seeing a lot of pitches, so he's timing the fastball and he can see the slider. And now this changeup gives him a little bit of a different look. Uh, and you know, they were saying yesterday that he's even thrown it to left-handers, which you know isn't ideal the left-on-left changeup, but it gives you a little idea of, of the confidence he has in the pitch and how it moves and um, right. but especially when he's facing right handers he can he can still wipe out the left handers with the slider but when he's facing right handers that changeup is going to be something and you know he's he's got he's got to prove this is where the, the fate of the Yankees really does rest in a lot of health but it also rests in a role as Chapman because you're talking about the last two years when the Yankees had teams they thought were good enough to win and you know he gave up big home runs that mm-hmm. uh, that lost playoff series for them. You have to get over that, and you're going to give the ball to him. This isn't some other. T- you know, if you look at World Series champs from the last several years, they've had bullpen issues and they've always had them, but they've kind of figured out how to manage their staffs and get you know starting pitchers into the relief roles in the World Series. And, you know, what the Red Sox did it, uh, you know, they used Evaldi out of the pen and, you know, Urias uh, for the Dodgers last year. You saw what the Nats did after all those, you know, all their bullpen disasters. Mm-hmm. Aroldis Chapman's going to get the ball for the Yankees in October. He's, right. he's just going to. And so rather than trying to find pieces around, you got to fix him. And as good as he is during the course of a regular season, he's had some issues. Mm-hmm. And... Now you're going to find out if this is a weapon that can kind of, you know, uh, I, I guess just get him to be a little bit more effective against the right-handers and keep them from timing him, teeing him up. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, Diaz with, with the Mets, and he's pitched well. He's pitched very well uh, this spring. And I, a lot of Met fans are, you know, they're not going to listen uh, simply because, you know, they remember the 2019 Edwin Diaz and and not the 2020 Edwin Diaz or the one, the 2017 or 18 Edwin Diaz, who mm-hmm. was terrific in Seattle. But he's working a little bit on a changeup, too. He's still going to be a fastball slider guy. But when he's on, you know, his stuff is electric, and it has been thus far. And but it, it's a, it's the same thing, you know. When push comes to shove, he's going to close games, all right. Yes. You know, they they have a lot of guys that can do that out there, but unless Edwin Diaz has pitched say three days in a row and maybe can't go, it's not going to be somebody else. They're going to hand the ball to Diaz to to close a game. That's that's his job. Now they they never designate that. Luis Rojas is one of the last people to designate anybody for anything, any inning, any <laughs> you know, any position. He did he did mention that Degrom is going to start opening day. That's good. Oh, wow, that's good. he left yeah, that cat yeah, out of the bag. Yeah, that's he awesome. did. He let it out early, as a matter of fact. But <laughs> outside of that, there's nothing else uh, coming that way. But um, you know, I mean, Diaz is going to be the guy, and and you like to. I I like to see anyway. You know, I I know that's his bread and butter: fastball, spotting it, command it, slider, nasty. Yeah. Uh, when it's on, but you know, you have a changeup that you can throw in there too. That's something else that somebody's got to think about, and uh, I I just think it makes your your life a little bit easier. That's all. You have to commit to it. I mean, and listen. Yeah. How many how many times have you and I talked to pitchers in spring training? You know, I can. You know, you know, it's it becomes a joke after a while where pitchers say, "I'm working on my changeup this spring." <laughs> you know, and every March, people are like, "Oh yeah, it's a good pitch. It can be a good pitch for me." And then they get into a spot in the you know with two men on in the fourth inning, and you know they're putting in their back pocket and they're not yep. going to their. You know, I'm not going to get beat with my third or fourth best pitch kind of thing. Right. Um, but the secret is having the confidence in it to not make. 
make it your third, make it maybe your third pitch, but have it be just as good as the first two. And that's where you're trying to get to. Thank you to Brian Hoke, uh, who's listening. I guess he's listening on the app because, you know, he's down in uh, Florida. He told yeah. me that the Brasso homer was on a fastball. So thank you. Okay. Um, He's, uh, he's actually, you know, he reminds me, it's time for a good plug. He has a book coming out later this summer about last season called The Bronx Zoom. It is. Uh, ah, yeah. Nice. Very, very good, Brian. Nice. Uh, very he, good. He, Stick he that extra letter in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Stick that extra letter in. You got it made. That's yeah. great. <laughs> so he reminds me. Yeah, and that's a, you know, make sure you pick that one up later this summer. But the Brasso Homer's yeah. on a fastball. So, but you're, you're right. The, the idea, you know, things have to drastically implode for the Yankees or the Mets to really think about altering their game-closing plan, you know, right. the, shifting a reliever or drastically altering things. They've got guys who are proven closers, and that's what some of these other teams have lacked. Now, you go back, you know, you know go back to when the Yankees winning championships, Mariano Rivera is closing them all out. Now, I gave you a bunch of examples recently where teams have overcome that. You know, the Red Sox, the Dodgers, the Astros, the, uh, the Nationals, they've all kind of managed to reshuffle their uh, pitching staff and come up with a bullpen uh, that can finish out games. It's just not handing the ball to the closer. But you know those teams had long-standing issues. Um, they didn't have guys who you know in the Mets and Yankees cases. You expect to go out there and save 35 or 40 games, and then they're going to they're get the ball in the postseason. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're dealing with now. So much so much rests on health of the players. Obviously, the everyday players, the production, everybody having great years. Lindor and Alonzo and Judge and Lemayhew and everybody else. But at the end of the day, you're going to have a lead. You're giving the ball to Aroldis Chapman, and you're giving the ball to Edwin Diaz. You're going to say, "Let's right. get us to the next round, or let's get us to the parade." And you know, it's it, it's all it's all up to them. Yeah. Another important point in there too is not not dropping your pitches, and you know, not forgetting your pitches if they're not necessarily working that day. You know, Degrom was talking the other day. I, I found it very interesting that he, you know, he said, uh, "I never like to drop a pitch, even if it's not working." for me that day i'll show it if I, you know if it's not good uh and i don't really have it that day uh you know say the change up just for you know for an example he said i i won't lose it uh and i won't forget it or shelve it but you know I'll, i i might show it uh, occasionally but i just want the hitter to know that or whatever he could i think he was talking about two seamers which he's having some problems with that was the conforto thing where he was <laughs> okay. working working on the two seamer with conforto uh, who took him yeah. deep in, <laughs> yeah, in, yeah, yeah. in live bp <laughs> He says, get back in there for a second one. Then Conforto <laughs> took him deep again <laughs> on the two-seamer. And he said, yeah, I think I'll forget that pitch for a while. But, you know, the point was that he, he, does, he doesn't forget that. And that's what, that's what makes him a great pitcher as well, too. He, he said, because you, I've gone through, he said, he, he's gone through games where he hasn't had it early, but he's found it. You know, so eventually it may come back and then you have your entire arsenal you can use, too. I was asking you uh during the break, about this is my dark horse in the Mets bullpen, Miguel Castro, um, who pitched last night, pitched well again. As a matter of fact, uh, guy who's working on a changeup, uh, trying <laughs> yeah, an, another, another guy, <laughs> another guy working on a changeup, um, fastball slider guy. Um, 
But he, he uh, I, I can't, you know, he's, he's been prone to walks in the past. Uh, yeah. And when he, I know when he faced the Yankees, he, uh, he didn't have a lot of success. Young kid when he came up, what was he, 20? Yeah, he was when 20 he when he came up. He's only 26 now. Uh, always threw hard, but had a right. hard time, you know, controlling it. And that's, you know, for, first thing off the top of my head was, yeah, control problems. Then I looked up, you know, uh, a five and a half ERA against the Yankees in his career. I'm like, oh, yeah, now I remember this guy. Uh, yeah. he, he was, you know, as it, listen, it's when you, you face the Yankees 18 times, you know, this, this, those hitters in the lineup are, are um, it's hard to fool them, right? So you get a guy like that who sees them a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, you get a little change of scenery and maybe uh, get a little rejuvenated. He's still young. And if he, you know, it looks like last year he finally uh, figured out a little more swing and miss. Because he always he always threw hard, but his strikeouts strikeout to walk numbers or strikeouts per nine numbers were never overwhelming. Right. And all of a sudden, last year it jumped up in the short season. So maybe yeah. he's latched onto something here. Yeah, he's commanding his pitches better. I I listen. I I think he can be a weapon for them. We'll see. But uh, they they like him. He's working like we said on the changeup. That that'll help, I guess, a little bit. But uh, you know, I'd, I I would say I'd call him a dark horse at this uh, point. Uh, Carlos Carrasco is going to throw today. Um, going to play catch. I, I I guess that's the best way to put it. So he'll be on flat ground. Uh, he's not going to face hitters uh, till next weekend. And you know that's got to rule him out for at least the yeah. first week or two of the season, I would think. Right? I, I would. I, well, I would think definitely the first week. Now, again, the the Mets are are never going to say that or admit that. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, every time we ask, it's kind of yeah, we we think he'll be ready. But I mean, when you put the numbers together, I mean, they're not going to throw him out there and have him go three or four innings in his first spring start. So, you know, the, yeah. it just makes sense that you're going to need somebody. I guess it's April 7th, I think, would be the first day they really need somebody because DeGrom can come back on, and pitch, uh, you know, a, a second time on April 6th. So, um, but, you know, that's that, that's not going to set him back that much. It's not going to set Carrasco back that much. I, I think he's fine. At least that's the – we'll find out more after today, I guess, when when he plays catch. But He's um, built up a little bit already? Uh, yeah, he, and he's not worried about it. He said that uh, that he goes through this, has gone through this in the past. Uh, with all, but, you know, it came right at the time. I think, well, first it was Lugo and then Zach Britton. And mm-hmm. then a couple of days later, you know, Carrasco developed this. So all of a sudden you start thinking, okay, well, you're going to go into the knife and miss a couple of months. Uh, that doesn't seem to be the case, but it looks to me like it, it's, you know, probably going to be a delayed start for him at the beginning of the season. What was Do you remember the time frame that they set on Lugo? Because he had the exact same thing that Britain had, you know, bone yeah. spur in the elbow. Uh, I I think they were hoping to have him back like the beginning of May. So, um, you know, I I think he wants to get back sooner and thinks he can. But we'll we'll see. You know, and I, his his surgery was a month uh, ago. Two. Not, I don't even. I'm not sure it was a month ago. It was at least a couple of weeks ago. I don't have the exact date here, but yeah, it was at least a couple of weeks ago. So he's. Uh, no, it had to be. It had to be close to a month, yeah, because he's. Uh, it was before. Yeah. It was right before the start of camp, right? Right, exactly, yeah. Because so, so he's ramping. You know, he's ramping up now. Uh, at this point, just you know, he's doing shoulder progressions and all that stuff. But um, yeah, I, I would, I would say the beginning of May, something like that. So Britain's about a month behind. He's supposed to have his yeah. surgery tomorrow. And if you're talking about, you know, 
I would say based on what you know what I've been gathering about Britain, you know, mid to late June is probably the best case from what they're saying. You know, kind of bringing mm-hmm. them, bringing them along slowly. Although it seems to be, you know, I guess we'll get a little bit of a roadmap to see what hap- how quickly Lugo comes back from it. Although everybody's a little bit different. Um, but you're, I mean, you're still talking about missing the first two months of the season for sure, right. and and then uh, trying to figure out if you can get any piece of that third month, uh, and obviously happen for the second half. I've you know, I, I very recently, Eddie, started to kind of dislike the idea of, and, you know, it's Severino's in the same boat, Syndergaard with the Mets. Oh, it's like getting a guy at the trade deadline. It's like getting a guy back. It's like making a I've, – I've used that often, and I've repeated that because people have said it. But the more I think about it, I, you know, you have this guy already, and you can't use him. So it's not like you're getting a – you know, I just don't love that analogy anymore. I'm okay. kind of, it's, I'm just kind of getting well, tired of that one. <laughs> I, think we, I think we have to figure out how to find out something. You, you have this toy that you can't use. Right. Right. You know, it's it's in your, you know, it, it's already there. So um, I'm not, I'm not thrilled about. It. Not that analogy anymore. I don't know why. I just figured I'd share that with you. Well, I, maybe a lot of teams use it because uh, if they fail to land the guy that they want at the tra- that's how they spin it, right? <laughs> at the trading deadline, they can say, "Well, we have this guy coming yeah, back." Yeah, oh sure. Guy. And a reminder that you can get my Yankees reports and Eddie's Mets reports delivered to you daily during spring training. Just subscribe to the WFAN Baseball Insiders podcast on Radio.com, Apple Podcasts or your other podcast platforms. You can also find them on the WFN.com homepage. Thank you all for listening. I'm Sweeney Murdy. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.